4: The first post-match roar of the official sort of restart of the season post World Cup, uh, as Liverpool uh, took on Aston Villa and uh, produced a three-one win here on Boxing Day. I'm delighted to welcome uh, back with me Carl Matchett and Jim Boardman to, to take in this game, give us their thoughts on it. So, first and foremost, guys, and I'll, I'll go to you first, Carl. Um, what were your sort of overarching thoughts on that game? First of all, Premier League football thrust back into our into our eyes only sort of a mere few days after the World Cup had wrapped up, um, and the Reds, uh, the chaotic Reds at times, um, back in in full view. What was your sort of view on the game?
2: Well, first of all, Merry Christmas to you, Harry. Happy, happy, happy. Absolutely, That's a good one, and Jim, and all of the lovely listeners as well, obviously. Um, I wasn't ready for it, I'll be honest with you, I was not ready for this. I- <laughs> I consumed, let's say, too much of the uh, the action during the November and December, and I didn't get remotely excited about any of the the parts of the Man City game. So I really wasn't ready for today, and especially that was like basically four games back to back for me. Uh, by the time today is finished, so I was fearing the worst in, you know, in terms of my uh, concentration and willingness to get sucked into you know all the stress and anxiety and rage that comes with watching every Liverpool game this season anyway. Um, as it turns out, within ten minutes I'd kind of forgotten all of that and I was ready to start screaming and throwing things again anyway. So um the match itself irritated me a bit, enthralled me a bit, entertained me quite a lot. Ultimately I'm I'm marginally happier than I was to start the day, so I guess that's a, a net positive as well as the three points and uh, lots and lots of chaos which I'm going to enjoy going mm. over. I suppose biggest takeaway. Just by the fact you know we're back underway and things are up and running again, is we have actually closed the gap to the top four by two points today. So yeah,
4: absolutely. Yeah, I think you, you probably will not be alone here tonight, Carl. I think both in terms of the listeners uh, and also probably myself and Jim as well, in terms of being uh, ready, prepared, mentally, emotionally, spiritually uh, for for the return of Premier League football uh, and for watching the Reds as well. Uh, I think, yeah, some of those emotions that you talked about there are things that we've probably all gone through today. And I, I'd already spoken with Jim ahead of the pod, just to talk to all the listeners as well. Only, only right to be honest. Some spirits have been consumed, so there may be a little bit of a, <laughs> a bit more heightened emotion than than general. Jim, yeah. was it a similar experience for you, sort of uh, watching the Reds back in action again in terms of, the, sort of Premier League football?
5: It was, yeah, because you sort of. It's been just a weird month, hasn't it? December has been the weirdest yeah. of months with all this sort of Christmas ads and Hol- and World Cup stuff in between it, and and now we've got kind of football that's not sort of played yeah. by um, some Italian guy, do no, a Swiss guy I can't remember. Mister <laughs> Infantino, he, he, what, what is he? He doesn't even know what's next. Sol His friend, Bay's, Sol Bay's best friend. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Him. <laughs> um, what a man. Um, so it's just been strange to go back to the the usual kind of dodginess. of I mean, the usual sort of stuff with the Premier League. But no, um, <laughs> same again. Merry Christmas, incidentally, to everybody listening. And I hope it is merry. And yeah, once it got going, it was kind of um, muscle memory came back and you remembered all the things that you love and hate about football. And I think, yeah, Villa is a club that, um they've they sort of done us some damage in ways over, over the sort of last decade or so. I mean, to the point where we even bought Christian Benseke to stop him scoring against us. Um, unfortunately, not to get him scoring for us, but still, um, it, did, it, it did clear that one problem. Up. So I was kind of thinking, this could go any way, this game. You know, it's a little bit worrying, but um, at the end of it, looking back with a good old gift of hindsight, I'm thinking, did I need to worry? Maybe, maybe, but not quite as much as I did, and yeah, I'm quite happy with that, I think this is a great way to kick off part two of the season, and I didn't count the Man City game the other day as a real a real game, the way they didn't count, the Community Shield is a real game, and I think, I'm hoping it's kind of reversal of fortunes, that we hammered them in the Community Shield, and then had a really bad part one of the season, they beat us in the Carabao Cup, let's hope. It, you know, it, it's not a really bad season from here on in, which we do the opposite to what we kind of did before. So, yeah, we've got off to a good start, and you can't ask for more than that. Three points, a win, away from home. Hopefully, what players we've got left are unscathed, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's here. It's it's the season now finally begins.
4: Yeah, what players we have left is probably sort of a theme that's going to come <laughs> up uh, again, and, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, Something else we were discussing as well was, I mean, at this time of year, as you mentioned, so it's slightly weird to have this sort of football thrust back into, uh, in, into our lives only so sort of shortly after the World Cup had finished and a sort of a strange World Cup of that as well. Um, and also sort of, you know, watching games like this, um, perhaps with family members that you don't always watch games with as well. So you, you sometimes get different, uh, commentary, backseat commentary that you would usually sort of um, have expected as well. So it's, it's <laughs> Only adds to the flavour um, of these games. But just to, to start off with the lineups, and um, uh, Carl, I'll come to you just with the sort of the, the Liverpool lineup for this game. I, I needed the AI, AI scouted for it. But um, Jim mentioned there some players being absent. Of course, many players for many teams still coming back from. Uh, those World Cup hangovers, some players being rested and things like that. Uh, but the, the lineup for Liverpool, uh, was as follows. Uh, sort of the old faithful Alison Becker in goal. Uh, Robertson left back, Van Dyke, Mathev as a centre back pairing. Uh, Trent, Alexander Arnold, uh, obviously sort of the, the, the right back who was far too dangerous to be trusted, uh, to start a game for England in the World Cup, uh, restored to a starting place for Liverpool. Uh, Hendo, Fabinho and Thiago in the field. Salah, Nunez, and Oxlade, Chamberlain on the left, in the absence of obviously uh, Jota and uh, Diaz at the moment for for Liverpool. What were your thoughts on on that lineup? Any real surprises there? I'm I'm, I'm sure there perhaps weren't too many. um, And sort of, uh, yeah, what did you make of the way in which uh, Klopp lined the team up? Uh,
2: No surprises, really. I think the only um, debate we really had was whether or not Trent was going to be able to play obviously he was ill for, for the yeah. for the friendly warm-up against Man City. Um, yeah, I mean it was pretty much as expected otherwise you know Elliot could have started or Carvalho could have started or whatever but I think it was always like we would go with the most senior side for this one because it really left ourselves a lot of uh, margin for error now have we So I think it was everybody who's fit and senior is going to play this game basically and I think it was was probably made a little bit easier for that decision in terms of, let's say, Canate wasn't available. That could have been a decision. Um, obviously, Firmino going out injured only a week ago now. Otherwise, that probably would have been a decision over uh, whether to play Nunez from the left or whatever. But overall, I wasn't really surprised by any aspect of it. I was definitely intrigued about a couple of players in particular, uh, namely Trent and Firmino, because obviously they haven't had the break, but they also haven't had the games. So it's a little bit of, you know, would they be rusty? Would they be Uh, lacking a bit of sharpness or would they be able to just slot back in and actually be a bit more energised because they've been training they just haven't been used on a match day as such so it was definitely interesting for me to to watch them and their start to the match for sure Um, but
3: otherwise pretty much as expected are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must-have fan threads well As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
4: Yeah, and we'll come on to talk about sort of those players and how they, uh, how they perform from the start. I think obviously sort of uh, Trent heavily involved early on as well. Um, but yeah, looking at the bench, I mean, Carvalho, Phillips, Simicas, Kelleher, Doke uh Bachetic, Gomez and Elliot and Cater. not a huge number of game changing options there, as we sort of saw throughout the game, actually, in sort of all the changes that Klopp actually ended up making uh, in the game into sort of how he tried to uh redress the balance as the game sort of um perhaps at times swung away from us a little bit but um yeah we'll get onto that as well and and Jim in terms, of, in terms of the way in which Villa lined up uh Olsen in goal uh the, the The forever youthful Ashley Young uh, concert uh, Tyra Mings, uh Luca Dinya, uh, McGinn, Louise, Camara uh Bailey, and Watkins. as Carl has mentioned you know, or Villa in the past, having a team that of course does uh, an awful lot of headaches um, on the benches looking at their options as well, perhaps actually a little bit stronger than Liverpool to be honest especially on on the day. Coutinho, Dodonca, Danny Yings, Marshall, Cash Chambers. Benrak, uh, Young and Archer. Um, so there were some options there. Of course, new, a new manager that we've not faced as Aston Villa coach in Unai Emery as well did have the potential to be quite a tricky uh, fixture. What did you make of the way in which they lined up? Were there any sort of um,
5: standouts for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the first thing was the goalkeeper because there was sort of, of thought that maybe maybe they'd have that guy in, who, that guy in goalie sort of... Um, mm. Uh, you might have noticed if you did watch the World Cup mm-hmm. and get a bit of a cameo role in that now and again. Um, low profile, he low profile, profile, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> because that's the thing. That's, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that football has. You can, you know, no matter how much you look at stats and all the rest of it, there's always that sign that that kind of sods lost out of things that, you know, it just happens that you, you find yourself up against the, a goalkeeper who's so, so high on confidence and everything else that he may just have the best game of his life and just really... Ruin your day, but thankfully he was he was somewhere else. And um, I mean, I've not heard of the, the, the sub goalkeeper to be to be totally honest, but he didn't have that bad a game. Um, and, and the other thing is again on the bench. I think that was the other thing I was looking for. That again, sort of going away more more da- walking definitely down a superstitious path again is that thing about having players like Coutinho and things against you that you know that kind of getting one over on the old club feeling that you might get. And luckily they didn't come on until later. And I think you're right in saying how weak we were as a team. I think. Both of those players would have got on our bench if if they were still on our books. I'm not saying they would be regulars in our side, but I think both of them, you know, could have been options for us. So that, I do feel that that was a worry. But Watkins, um, another worry, but didn't quite um, didn't quite put away as many chances as he could have done. Even though everyone will be talking about how many chances Nunez did, Nunez didn't put away, and, um, and and the other noticeable name to me. Um, alongside Tyrone Mings, is um, the former Blue Nose, um, Dean and I don't mean the Blue Nose in the Birmingham sense, I mean the Blue Nose in the the Merseyside sense. So, um, you know, they're all the kind of players who, regardless of skill, there's always that little bit of an extra edge. But yeah, I think think it's the same as us, really. I think you're right as well, they did have that little bit more choice off the bench than we did. Maybe that bit more quality off the bench compared to what was on the pitch. But really, when you look at that, we should be beating them, you know, and we did. Or did we as well as as convincingly as we could have done? It's another matter.
4: Yeah, no, of course. And I think um, thank you for the reminder there. To sort of the blue nose as well. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Everton uh, recording a lovely, lovely two-one loss uh, <laughs> earlier in the day. I okay. believe it was a last-minute loss as well, wasn't it? i not... I think it was. You know, I think yeah. those are the very best. I think it was a ninety-fifth-minute winner for for Wolves, which is only fair. You know, also, fair. and
5: then uh, apologies to any any. Fans a little are living on Merseyside, and you've had had to cope with Edison fans today. But they will, they'll, they'll calm down eventually. Don't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, There's a, <laughs> there's a as, as you mentioned, spirits have been consumed over the
4: past few days. Hopefully, there'll <laughs> be there'll be a lull over the next few days, and they'll be able to dwell on that a little bit longer. I'm sure Frank uh, will as well. But just to sort of to start the game off, obviously, um, it was a lively start. Uh, um, sort of on on two minutes, uh, Watkins sort sort of had a good. Had a good run through, sort of the defence, and actually a, a scuffed shot uh, towards goal. It's all sort of easily caught. It, it's it says here by Allison. I think that will become a little bit of a theme, not just for Watkins, but for a, a numerous Villa players who perhaps got in on goal and maybe we were sort, sort of expecting the worst, but actually sort of scuffed finishes, you know, sort of not the cleanest of strikes, things like that. Uh, and Allison doing his usual sort of calm calmness personified. Uh, resulted in sort of a lack of any actual real chances against us. Um, then, uh, sort of on three minutes, Liverpool broke the other way uh, through Robertson, who I thought was very strong today again. Sort of low, uh, fizz crosses into the into the penalty area um, around Nunez, uh, Mings. I think actually. Is, uh, Lots of shouts behind me that there was that there was a foul by Nunez on on Mings. Obviously, that was nonsense. I think Mings just sort of tripped himself up and actually collided with his goalkeeper on that occasion. Was down for a little bit as well. Uh, Chambers sort of threatened to come on, but Mings, obviously uh, sort of the warrior that he is at times, um, uh, continued strongly in the game, if not defensively. And there were five minutes, uh, we opened the scoring. And I mean, I have to say, I'm not sure what noises were made on on either of your ends, but this for me, uh, especially uh, in the surroundings of family members who uh, are not uh, Liverpool supporters by any stretch of the imagination, um, yeah, I was I was uh, shouting from the rooftops about uh, Trent's ball here. Um, got the ball back in play through sort of Robbo's corner, it wasn't cleared that well, and Trent picked it up uh, around on the 18-yard box. A lovely outside-the-right-foot pass, I think it was, um, straight into the path of Robertson uh, who crossed it first time uh, uh, to Salah for for a tap in a gorgeous goal, such incision in that goal as well, um, and exactly the sort of start that you probably want from a team that's maybe perhaps lacking a little bit of confidence of late. Carl, um, I'll come to you with that. What did you make um, of uh, of that goal?
2: Um, I, I think we saw more in this opening five minutes or so uh, of the fixture than we will probably see in quite a lot of other teams' entire <laughs> 90 minutes, to be perfectly honest. Um, It was kind of give us a sense of what was to come for the rest of the day, to be honest, didn't it? Because it was very, very open. It was not really from either side, you could say, uh, tight enough defensively in those open few minutes. You mentioned the run that they had going through very, very early on. Uh, sort of gave me the feeling. Oh, is it going to be one of those days? I thought we were going to be like a bit more energetic and a bit more up for it. But um, it was uh, the goal itself, great. You know, after after what should have probably been a, a second minute lead for us, and I'm, I'm not really sure still after watching it 16 times mm. why was not, not clip it home at the near post there. Uh, and. You know, People shouting in the ER. Oh, you said Robertson's after the uh, the Premier League record. It could have been that one. Now he's going to have to wait. And yes, he did. But three minutes, probably not quite as uh, much as we were worried about at that, uh, that exact moment. Um, probably the least Andy Robertson assist I could <laughs> envisage. To be fair, it was much more of a Salah assist than a Robertson one. Coming um, yeah. kind of off the right channel, first time ball, but brilliant touch. Really, really good uh, vision and, and obviously weight on the pass from Trent uh mentioned before that I was you know intrigued to see if he would be a little bit rusty or a little bit, you know, heavy touch or anything like that. But straight off the bat, I think Trent put two ping balls out to the left hand side and then that one outside of the boot over the defence. So that's uh answered any questions I had about him.
4: Yeah, I'm sure Southgate is uh watching that from somewhere, glass of port in hand, uh sort of yeah, resolute in his in his decision making uh for the World Cup. Jim, just bring you in there, Carl mentioned the record um, obviously sort of uh, referring to uh, Robertson's assists record that he, he broke tonight. Most Premier League assists provided by defenders in the entire Premier League's history. Uh, that's 54 assists now for, for Robbo um, in just 231 games. Another pleasing uh, record-breaking um, sort of stat here as well is that he uh, secured that win or secured that current status as the, the highest number of assists in the Premier League's history um, by surpassing, uh, one Leighton Baines, um, as well, uh, who had 53 assists over 420 games as well. So done it in nearly just, uh, just over half the games, um, that, uh, Leighton Baines had done it in. I think it's worth, it's worth just dwelling on that for a second. I mean, because I think you know, we, we've watched these fullbacks over the years produce, you know, so many wonderful games, uh, competing with each other at times, uh, him and Trent. Uh, and I uh, can't mention them. maybe not the most classic Andy Robbo assist you're ever going to see in the world, especially the side he, he produced it from. But just
5: your your thoughts there on Robbo and the consistency that he that he, pro- he provides to the team at times. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the first thing is that, um, just going back to what you said about Trent, and kind of sending a message out to Gareth Southgate, who I hope yeah. with having a family get-together much like yours, and there was being barracks <laughs> from behind him. And, um, I mean, maybe it was in Pete's hut and he ended up with a brown paper bag over his head. Because <laughs> not only did Trent put that brilliant ball back in, and he was obviously, he was the man sitting back at the corner, you know, ready, you know, ready to sort of, um, stop any breaks that might come from the corner. That was an, you know, such a wonderful ball. As you say, Robbo, wrong side of the pitch to where we used to seeing him, except when he's been taking a corner maybe, and, um, wonderful little assist. And that whole thing was a reminder to Southgate that fullbacks aren't, Fullbacks the way they were in the 70s anymore, you know certainly not with Liverpool and they can do so much more for you. And I just, I just love the idea that you know that Southgate's sitting there thinking, damn, now I know what they're on about. But I know he'll be sitting there thinking, still not really sure what it is they go on about over Trent. Why, why do we need him? I mean, shouldn't he have stayed back anyway? That could have lost the ball there. I can just imagine him being overworried. Um, and that's the thing, that's the thing about Liverpool. The reason those fullbacks score those goals and get those assists and make such an important Change to what we do and have such an, such an impact is because we are an adventurous team and that's what we love to see when Liverpool have been adventurous and at times they were tonight not the whole game that's what you love to see that is what makes it exciting that is what leads to the goals that's what that's what gives you stuff to talk about afterwards that's what so many of these raw podcasts have been talking about is the stuff that that's has been caused by this adventurous team with its adventurous fullbacks and I loved I, I just loved it I just thought that was just what a great way to kind of kick off the season proper for us, or at least this half of it. Um, yeah, I mean, he did come just after that little scare by Villa, which was, um, you'd have hoped that would have been like a little reminder that we didn't try to keep reminding ourselves of over the course of the game what we did. But that, that straight away just showed, I don't know, it's like a it feel like we're going back to the old days again, and that, that's, what I, that's what I loved most about it, sort of. Um, that sort of, the way the way Trent and Robbo worked so well together, I think in the commentary later on, Tilsley was saying, he he's never known a pair of full-backs who worked so, so well together, you know, opposite sides of the pitch but the way they can find each other and then that one then can find someone who can score, it's it's unreal and yeah, there's a lot to be said. Um, Leighton Baines, just quickly on him, to be fair to him, I mean I wonder how many assists he would have got if there'd been anyone decent on the other end of the match that's the only thing I can say in his favour. Um, that's something that we've been blessed with for with, Trent and Robbo, but when they put those balls in, they're assist worthy that there's someone who's capable of turning it into an assist for them. If we can then
2: just add a couple of extra Everton layers <laughs> to to that Andy Robbo moment, uh, the obviously the guy he's, well, not he didn't, but the goal pass, he set up the goal <laughs> to score past Robin Olsen. <clears throat> he actually had a, a short loan spell at Everton. That's one of his many clubs, which is probably why you don't know of him, Jim. He uh, only plays for um, small clubs mostly. Yeah. Um, and he
5: probably other, doesn't like to talk about it either, does he? No,
2: no, no. It's, it's an unspeakable moment of his career. The, uh, the other Liverpool link, let's say, that he has, he was actually the uh, Roma goalkeeper of choice to replace Alisson when we bought him. So a bit of a step oh, down, yeah. I'm afraid. Right,
4: I think that'll I appreciate the effort there, just to really pour the salt into, <laughs> into the wind of that <laughs> of that goal. Um, I think, as you mentioned there, Jim, yeah, I think Southgate probably somewhere thinking, you know, why, you know, why produce an outrageous assist when you could just clip that ball, uh, long out of play, uh, from, yeah. Carl, from, 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 from a clip ball from Carl Walker, I'm sure, or Trippier. Um, Rose Ed, Rose Ed. You can hear him shouting, man. <laughs> Rose Ed and reset, you know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, on seven minutes, we saw, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain find Nunez, uh, inside the penalty area. Um, but you know, Nunez was sort of un- unable to sort of fashion a shot from, from the chance. Conso got quite tight to him as well. Buendia uh, produced a, a great pass over the top for Watkins, which again was a, a, a re- an unsettlingly uh, recurring theme throughout the day to the sort of the Villa players producing those sorts of passes to uh, an always willing runner in Watkins. Hammered a volley straight towards Allison, but as Allison tends to do at times, uh, despite the chance actually being offside, makes the save anyway, demoralizes the striker, hopefully, um, and just lets them know exactly sort of the calibre of keeper they're dealing with as well. Trent, as I think both of you mentioned, started the game really sharply. Another lovely pass to, to, to Ox in the penalty area. Tried to sort of fashion a chance to shoot, but wasn't able to sort of get his feet right in terms of sort of uh, producing the shot and, and as well. Um, Trent, at this stage as well, really sort of drifting in into that sort of more central as a playmaker, as we've seen him at times, when he's really produced some of his, some of his best football throws as well. Um, sort of wrapping passes around for, for Nunez, looking for those sort of curl passes uh, with the constant runs of Nunez as well. Um, I think Olsen made a good uh, interception on that occasion on 12 minutes, um, and then on 14 minutes, um, sort of uh, sort of miscue chance by by Bailey. As sort of talked about it, Villa had a number of chances where it looked like perhaps they could make more of the opportunity, but sort of. Poor touches, um, maybe slight offsides or miscued chances actually ended up sort of um, reducing them to being sort of quite unthreatening. A cross came in. Watkins mistimed his jump, failed to get something on that before Bailey ended up scuffing it as well. Looked like a guilt edged chance, wasn't marked in terms of his run into the box. Um, so I was looking for any of the midfielders to be tracking this man. Uh, no one was found as well, unfortunately. McGinn uh, cut inside on 16 minutes from the right. A lovely cross in again for Watkins. Diving header, but again, the contact, not clean, not quite good enough, comfortably caught by Ali. Hendo uh, on 18 minutes, um, decent position on the right wing, curled across in, Mings um, cleared that. Uh, otherwise, it was, it was destined for Nunez as well. Um, Lewis uh, sort, of, sort of fouled Robertson on 19 minutes. Um, again, it was a free kick, but again, didn't really lead to much as well. And then on 21 minutes... Uh, Liverpool score but it, it doesn't actually count it as a sort of uh, Trent uh, took a set piece directed a sort of pretty accurate he- um, sort of effort towards Matip a lovely header to be honest actually sort of glanced across the goal um, into the corner um, but sort of slightly offside and has a sort of, sort of Matip there as we all know very rare for Matip with his 50p head to make such good contact so always a regret as well um, a couple more chances there so, sort of, Trent really sort of um, orchestrating things early on, looking sharp as you both mentioned, looking to dic- dic- uh, dictate play, uh, looking for the runs of Nunez that were pretty constant at this time as well. Uh, and on 28 minutes, uh, Nunez, uh, I've got it here, Nunez is denied in all caps, uh, launched a ball uh, to hit on the counter, forced Conso into a pretty awkward clearance uh, back towards his own goal, and Nunez latched onto it with a volley. Uh, at Olsen, but uh, yeah, closed his legs and, and managed to sort of save save the effort as well. So, um, Jim, just come to you In, in terms us sort of how Liverpool approached those opening sort of thirty minutes or so. There's quite a few chances we've mentioned there for Liverpool and a, a, a couple of occasional chances for Villa as well. Uh, sort of miscued efforts that will be a recurring theme for us. What did you make for, um, of the way in which we started the game? It felt a little bit loose to me. At times, uh, maybe it's the time of year that I was perhaps a, a little bit more forgiving of the of, of the outing. Uh, there wasn't huge amounts of control, but it was very much entertaining.
5: Yeah, it was entertaining. I think it's um, there was no order to it. It was like um, I'm sure many people have had the same sort of situation at the buffet table over this holiday period, where people aren't <laughs> like, we really going in any kind of order, and you know you're missing out on the good stuff. But I mean, it, it was. I mean, in a way, I think. You know, they gave us a good few warnings that we need to be careful here, that we need need to watch them. And that, that air shot from Bailey was, was, was a let off for us, really, that, you know, that, that was a good cross coming in. And I think maybe they'd worked out that this was the way they were going to go at us, because they seemed to be these crosses coming into the box from out wide was, was their sort of, their sort of efforts, their, their sort of, um, action plan, the game plan, if you like, and how they were going to try and get past us. And they, they did keep trying it to be fair to them. And, um, you know, we, we've got a defense that's, it's been a strange defence for us this season because we've kind of very rarely played the same partnership and I know these two guys know each other well but you know, they've not had a lot of time together and and, and I'm going to be negative about us at that time there was a worry at the time that I thought you know, in contrast to the very well rested Trent, that at times Hendo did look tired and just seemed to be a little bit off the pace but as the game went on I started to wonder whether it was just more a case of sort of conserving his energy and just sort of picking his moments to do his his crazy fast running things that he does, you know, and often does well. Um so it, you know, it was it was that sort of thing, thing that would he have even started if we'd had enough fit players? But he did, he did his best and you know, I've not really got any complaints about him, I was just more worried about how tired he was. And again, this this whole thing about the World Cup at that time of the year just comes back. More and more arguments against it despite how good everyone thought it was. It's, it's that. And then the other thing about it as well is that we were starting to get that bit of, um, that bit of a narrative now. And, and to be fair, Clive Tilsey, who's he was commentating on what I was watching and he's not the worst person. And Andy Townsend wasn't in the foot along tactics, truck mode so even, he wasn't too bad today, but we, we were just starting to get that sort of, um, sort of agenda that's going on with Nunez, that they're waiting for Nunez to fail and they're loving every minute of it. That kind of thing was just starting to come to, to me. And I'm thinking the thing about Darwin is that he tries things when other people would give up on them. They don't all come off. And then people laugh. But you know what? You keep trying those things and sooner or later they come off. Um, you know, there are times when he should have done done better than he did with chances that he had and so on. But I just love the way that he just keeps going and he's not put off. And maybe he doesn't understand the Villa song, the villa fans stealing that um shit Andy Carroll chance or not. I don't know. But he doesn't let it bother him and just keeps going. So that's that to me was was, was my sort of takeaway back by this point in the game was that, you know, it was end-to-end. I mean, that's that's the cliche, I suppose. But it was it was end-to-end. We were letting them come at us as much as we were going at them. And I think it was later on in the game we almost seemed to sit back. But at this point, it was definitely end-to-end. And I think we were just trying to get that second goal and hopefully put a cushion in place, which um, without sort of putting really any spoilers in, maybe we did later on. Yeah, I think... Um... Nunez and his efforts and his
4: indifference to some of these chances. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident he doesn't have any idea who uh, Andy <laughs> Carroll is, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure he would, uh, he, he would welcome attendance at sort of similar raves, actually, hopefully not as chaotic in the future. Um, but, Carl, just to come to you um, as we sort of end uh, the, the first half, on 36 minutes, Nunez did dribble into the penalty area. Sort of, sort of dummy to pass it back a little bit before cutting inside and firing a shot at Olsen. Did look to confuse him at first, actually, but sort of Conso got just enough of a sort of an interception like, to take it away from going behind uh, for a corner. Again, that's sort of, sort of the theme of Darwin's half, sort of trying the unorthodox at times, trying the orthodox at times, making some good runs, so sort of excellent runs, actually, I think actually, it's fair to say, uh, making good contact at times, but just things not being as ruthless as you would like to see from him. Um, on 37 minutes, uh, Liverpool doubled their lead. Uh, Van Dijk, uh, who was always satisfying to see him score um, sort of from a corner, wasn't properly cleared. Um, sort of a Trent delivery headed by again lovely assist by a former Everton man Udinya. Uh Salah kept it alive, um, sort of drilled it back in, and uh, there is Van Dijk who volleyed it in. I think it was probably a slight deflection to the goal eventually, but sort of Van Dijk. Who uh, ends up scoring from from that sort of acute angle as well? I think it's actually a recorded as a Salah assist. And I'm sure you will be uh, delighted with that as well. On 39 minutes, um, Tiago sort of chipped a pass over the top for for Trent um, uh, after Nunez sort of controlled it pretty well inside the box. Um, but again, sort of Trent wasn't unable to sort of really clip it back in as well. Uh, Bailey um, sort of again it was a, a willing runner constantly. I think throughout the game. Um, taken down just outside the penalty area, but wasn't um, wasn't a foul. Uh, despite uh, much of the uh, chagrin of the crowd, um, uh, again not much action. I think really before the end of the first half, first half apart from sort of two minutes into added time in the first half, uh, pretty good stop by Elson. Uh, Trent uh, tried to set up um, sort of Nunez for what looked like to be a pretty um, sure goal. Um, He's on goal. The striker volleyed the shot. Um, with the inside of his foot um, but again Olsen uh, denied him with a, a smart save a good save I'd say um, just to bring up the, the half-time whistle. Carl um, what did you make of uh, again sort of get your thoughts on that first half display the second goal from from Van Dijk the way in which we ended it again positive in terms sort of, mm-hmm. of the effort to try and get that third goal really wrap up the game?
2: Yeah, I think it was largely positive for Liverpool. I think we were mostly in control um, for a lot of this period of the game. I think the second goal is definitely very important. Uh, I don't know that I would have been overly happy or Jürgen. In fact, I happy to be going in at half-time only the one ahead because Villa started the first half very well. You could that they to start the second half very well, very energetically. Um, but I think our off-the-ball work was a little bit better in the second half of the first half as such. I think um, we were a little bit quicker to close them down in midfield third. We were a little bit better organised in terms of winning those second balls in deeper midfield areas. And I think that a lot of that ability to um, recapture the ball and recirculate it quite quickly was what enabled us to keep the pressure on in the attack and third of the pitch. So, I mean, again, you've listed like six things which involved Darwin Nunez there. And that just sort of highlights how involved he was, how much of an outlet he was for us. Also the fact that he didn't actually in that period contribute to any directly to any goals as such. Um but I'm with you on this. I, I think it's okay. I think well with Jim I think you mentioned that, you know, he, he keeps going back in for it and he keeps going for the next chance and he keeps making the the runs which is just impossible to contain. Like at no point did Villa stop him doing anything that he wanted to tonight. The only thing that stopped Darwin doing stuff was Darwin himself with what he decided to do at the end. Um whether it was you know a slightly dragged shot or the decision of to, to pass instead of shoots or the decision to not shoot at all and run over the ball to do nothing at all. These are just Darwin Nunez' decision-making things. That's, I assume, what most of the work with him on the training ground is going to be about because his off-the-ball movement is brilliant. His, his work rate is obviously very, very good as well. He's got lightning pace. I mean, Ezra Conce is like a very, very quick centre-back in the Premier League and he didn't get close to him once. Tyron Mings when he crashed into his own goalkeeper—that's the closest he got to Darwin Núñez all game long. <laughs> it was—he's he, he, a real handful. Like, and none of the none of the Villa defense today was able to do anything at all. The one where he ran through and volleyed it basically straight at Olsen—that's again putting sort of Conte under a bit of pressure. concerts attempted clearance sort of skews up into the air. Darwin's then got the pace and the strength to hold him off on the run and get in front of him. It's it's very very good. Like another maybe split second he could have taken a touch before shooting he maybe could have gone around the keeper with the first touch because there's quite a lot of space uh, behind him if it's you know even a little bit heavy or something like that but again this is all just decision making it's very difficult to do that in the moment um so hopefully with with a little bit more age and experience that composure and coolness of the mind will come and he could be a, you know, a forward who ends up contributing a couple of goals every single game for us with the, with the level of impact that he has in the final third. It's just it's, it's not quite there yet, but it could have been in this game easily. Um, the actual goal itself that Van Dijk did score, not too much to add to it, it was a really good finish. It was, again, good that we kept the, the pressure on after the first delivery it didn't really come to what we wanted. We kept the pressure on, we reacted quickest to it, we set it up nicely, it was a decent... I think it was going in anyway, even without the deflection, but we will take any minor fortune we can get.
1: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff, we've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
4: Yeah, no, of course. I think this the, the New Year's discourse is likely to rattle on, I think. I mean, I think we've all mentioned watching uh, these games at this time of year, perhaps with sort of a different crowd than we used to. Uh, lots of comments flying my way um, around New Year's missing these chances and things like that. And um, as you mentioned, Carl, I think I was sort of reminded of, I'm not even sure which striker I've heard this from at this stage, but sort of the number of times in which I've heard sort of former strikers repeat the importance of the fact that these strikers are making the runs, getting the chances, uh, despite the fact that they're missing some of those chances. It, it, that often being sort of the harder, the harder skill to actually produce the, the chance to, to cause the chaos, to cause the, the aggravation. Um, that's the sort of the more difficult thing the, the the actual sort of the, the ruthlessness will come and hopefully sort of confidence will help that as well. Um, Jim, just in terms of the start of the second half, you sort of mentioned the way in which the, the first half ended sort of positively as, as looking to press home the advantage, score that third goal maybe, uh, and really kill things off. Uh, Villa had all the sort of the, the reason to come out uh, renewed and try and fight their way back into the game on 47 minutes. It looked like they'd done that. Watkins, Peeling away to celebrate. Louise made a lovely pass. Uh, again, quite easily through the half of our defence at times, it looked like for Watkins, who's constantly making those runs. Good back heel from Buendia as well. Um, but it looked like he was actually flagged just offside Actually, as he did, actually sort of pushed, pushed the ball past Allison. Um, you got Kamara sort of firing a ball out, um, slightly misplaced, her, sort of forcing Dinya into sort of charge behind. Uh, managed to sort of dig out a low cross, but Trent again cleared it quite well. Uh, it looked like it was destined for, for McGinn. Um, Dinya again whipping in a three kick on for 51 minutes uh, after Young, uh, sort of 37 uh, year old Young, it uh, was fouled by Tiago. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, again, Tiago, sort of the classic foul, sort of completely stunned that he's been pulled up for one. Uh, Salah latched onto an effort, sprinted more, more or less the entire length of the pitch, I think, here actually. So it's, it's, it's certainly the entire length of Villa's half. Wasn't able to sort of make the best of contacts with his effort. Um, again, sort of Liverpool looking to counter, looking to get that third goal to kill things. On 53 minutes, Fab had a good effort that went wide, sort of uh, from around 20 yards. Looked to sort of, rather than his sort of lashed finish against City that we're all aware of, looked to try and place it uh, from around 20 yards, went just wide. Um, pretty good move from Villa on 55. Ended up, again, with a, a good save from Allison, holding the ball always. Delightful when he does that uh, to sort of reduce any sort of panic. Uh, Thiago on 56 minutes, brought the ball down, uh, sort of lovely cross into Nunez. Um, again, sort of four Villa, uh, four Villa defenders immediately sort of converged on him to, to stop him producing any other chances. Uh, and then on 59 minutes, uh, Villa did get their goal back. Um, sort of McGinn uh, sort of pushed uh, sort of Trent into sort of mishitting a clearance before then finding Louise in space, you know, lovely cross into the far post, uh, and Watkins, who had many, many chances so far, uh, put his header back across the face of goal uh, and into the corner. Um, so Jim, I mean, as I mentioned there, Villa had every reason to come out and try and push for their goal. It was really important to score the next one, uh, and we were hoping to try and kill it off on our side. But Villa and Watkins ended up getting that goal. What was your thoughts on on on, on the opening sort of twenty minutes of the second half and that goal?
5: I think, you know, I mean, you kind of know what the team shot's going to be in the Villa dressing room. I mean, it's probably very much along the same lines with a bit, bit less drama as, as rap as well in Istanbul on that wonderful night all those years ago. No sort of, you know, it's not over yet. We can get into it, we get the first goal, and it changes the mood in the stadium. It, it changes the, you know, it, it puts the other side under pressure and all the rest of it. And so for that first 15 minutes, they were trying and trying and trying to score a goal against us. And we... For whatever reason, at least for the first, I would say definitely the first five minutes of the half, we kind of came out with, as if our team thought was right, you know, well done lads, you've done the first 45, just, um, just, just don't let anything in, just just relax now, we've done the job and we seemed sluggish just for that, at least for the first five minutes and then by by being sluggish for that five minutes, it felt as though we'd sort of given them the confidence to keep coming at us and they were fluffing chances, they were just finding themselves offside. Um, in that whole time you just mentioned, I think there was Fabinho's effort, which, which you know, I mean, he's just getting his sights in, he's getting nearer. The next one I'm going, Salah's run. Um, I'm thinking, my God, slow down, you're going to pull a hamstring, but it, it didn't obviously because he's such a such an amazing player. This speed on him was unreal, and <clears throat> it's just a shame that there was, there was no way you could get something at the end of that run because that would have been definitely goal of the season if it had been a goal at the end of it. But sadly, there wasn't, and. Sadly, at the end of his 15-minute spell, it was that goal for Villa, which it just felt inevitable and you watch games sometimes and you kind of feel that um, you're just sitting there helpless watching. There's nothing you can do to change it and sooner or later it's going to go in and you just um, I think to myself, just stand there feeling just as helpless and think there's nothing I can do. Nothing I say to these players will work. They will just carry on doing this and um, you've got to give Villa credit. though; They just kept plugging away and and Watkins, he found he found a way to do it. He got in between Trent and Matip, and um, if anyone was at fault, maybe Matip. But sometimes you just got to give credit that they were creating these chances that up to now they'd fluffed. There's so much for Liverpool to go back to, to the, the training ground on this week. So much video footage to look at and to analyse and to see how often we gave them the chances to get in. And we need to do that. Um, we need to analyse it. We need to see what was going on. And wrong. we need to see how to stop other teams doing it to us because you can guarantee all the other teams will be looking at the same footage looking what the weaknesses were and looking how to exploit them because on another day against another team with decent finishes we could have been quite, quite a way behind by then and I, I think we did come out, I do definitely think that Klopp sent us out to kind of sit back for the second half, just hold on to the 2-0, don't let them get a goal or maybe only let them get one and for, for a good chunk of that half it felt that way and I think I wrote down somewhere that you know, is this a good is this a good plan? Sit back, you know, keep them out as much as you can. Sort of conserve your energy. Just just keep them back. Get the three points that way. And the only way you know if it's a good plan is in hindsight. So in hindsight, it was a good plan, but I think at the time I wasn't so sure. Yeah, I I, I don't think it's the first
4: game that we discussed here. Certainly on post-match rule as well mm. around um, Liverpool lacking control in, in this sort of position of the game. Uh, you know, perhaps it's as we've all discussed, at length, maybe the lack of sort of the right midfield personnel to actually control games like this. Uh, as you mentioned there, Jim, if the instruction was to sit back to try and defend. We've seen this Liverpool team do that in the past. This incarnation of this Liverpool team, uh, I, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit nervous whenever we try whenever we the try to do that.
5: The word I used was spectators and I felt like that's what mm. we were. I've written down the word spectators because yeah. I think we were for that, certainly that first quarter of an hour and a half. And, I think the thing is when when you sort of take to your place, sit back, let them come at you. What you're hoping then is that you'll catch them on the break. And exactly. T- to not catch them on the break that often in that that spell is maybe the worry more than how well we defended. Because because if you do start catching them on the break, they're not quite as brave coming at you, are they, sir? So.
4: No, exactly. And I, I think as you mentioned, there with sort of Salah's chance. I mean, if if there had been more of those, perhaps it would have been sort of a, mm. a little bit more of a sort of a wake-up call for for Villa to this sort of the, the danger they faced by coming onto us, but there was, not and, and sort of frequency of their chances was a was an issue as well. Um, in 65 minutes, again, sort of Louise sort of hooked a dangerous cross into the penalty area. Looked again, it, it was going to be sort of destined for Watkins, but Van Dijk um, sort of stepped forward um, and, and cleared the ball. Uh, again, that's a, a recurring theme I think for the rest of the game. I sort of Van Dyke I thought was pretty good today in terms of, sort of his. Um, Seaball, headball, sort of the Dejan tribute act. Uh, at, at points, in terms of sort of uh, <laughs> clearing the ball, uh, when Villa when did look to be a bit more direct. On well, 67 minutes, we saw some substitutes being made by by Klopp, and we, we spoke about the lack of options. Perhaps there were on the bench that really changed the game, uh, and in a situation where you're looking to control things a little bit more, uh, perhaps a little bit weird to see the likes of Thiago um, Alcantara going off the pitch. Who? again, didn't go to the World Cup. But he, he did lead the pitch, uh, was replaced by Naby Keita. Uh, and uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain was replaced by by Harvey Elliott on 67 minutes as well. On um, 69 minutes, there was an effort by uh, uh, Young, who went fairly long. Um, um, Elliott's sort of deflection um, on a pass, provided Allison sort of time and space to reclaim it. Um, again, um, trying to slow things down, trying to sort of reduce the pace of the game. It looked a little bit open at times. Um, Carl, just to come to you, what did you make of those substitutes, um, that Klopp made there around? You know, again, we were at a, a stage in the match where, as Jim has mentioned, things are a little bit more open than we would perhaps have liked. You're looking to try and regain some control. Didn't have huge numbers of options really there, but Cato and Elliot coming on for Oxlade and, uh, uh Tiago. Um, did you, sort of, you, could you understand the logic there?
2: Uh, yes, for Elliot, because, I mean, Oxford and worked hard, but you can see mm. obviously there's you know, an element of rustiness there, his first touch wasn't always great, and yeah. most of our build-up play came down the right-hand side anyway. So, yes, for that one, that was fine. I think that was also, I felt like it was probably going to be us going to, like, the flat four in midfield that we have done quite a lot of time, and then just leave Salah and as more central to go on the break. Um, I was surprised to see Thiago go off because I would have expected at that point it's much more about getting a little bit more control of the ball, maybe use possession a little bit better. Maybe Klopp felt that Thiago wasn't quite doing that well enough, perhaps. Um I think others at the time were probably not doing it uh, to a greater extent than Thiago, but on the ball, maybe he was a little bit loose uh, second half. I don't think it was that much of a big deal, but in the end, I, I didn't actually think not played play very well at all once he came on. Again, you're looking at someone just back from injury and first touch and the timing isn't there and all the rest of it, but there were a few very, very sloppy moments, very lax sort of on and off the ball things that he did. So the the actual sub itself, again, like you've referred to, is only in hindsight whether it's a good or a bad one to do, but I was a little bit surprised the went off before others, let's say.
4: Yeah, no, of course. Especially yeah, sort of given the fact that he didn't have a chained up. Going to the World Cup. And as we sort of round things off here, on 75 minutes, Nunez again had a chance or sort of dragged it wide, found himself in lots of space, another good run. Salas, great pass um, through to him. Uh, again, we're really seeing sort of the, the, the impact his, uh, his change of pace can have here. Drove into the penalty area, slipped a shot that rolled just wide at the far post as well, uh, as we've mentioned. Plenty of backseat commentary I was receiving at this stage. There is again, etc., etc. Um, but I think, as we've all mentioned, constantly involved, never hiding, um, constantly a sort of an, an irritation for the opposition. So I was just, again reminding uh, people of another Uruguayan who I'm not comparing in terms of talent level, perhaps, but uh, in terms of sort of ruthlessness in his first sort of season in a bit at Liverpool. I'm hoping that uh, Nunez uh, models that guy's development. Um, on 79 minutes, uh, we saw Henderson depart uh, and Bacchitich come on. Um, and we saw Trent depart and uh, Gomez come on uh, as well. Perhaps, again, just a bit of rotation here, keeping players fresh. Um, as we sort of mentioned, any of those midfielders could have been replaced really in terms sort of how they were um, sort of retaining possession. And on 81 minutes, just a mere two minutes after sort of being introduced onto the pitch, uh, we have a first Premier League goal for. Uh, Stefan Bacetic, uh, to again, a really important goal, uh, sort of taking him to be 3 1 up. Nunez driving to the byline after a heavy touch, actually dug out uh, a pretty good cross, uh, sort of deflection, forced Olsen into sort of deflecting it, pushed it right into the middle of the penalty area, so not good goalkeeping. And Bacitic, in a game where sort of we really were, uh, saw lots and lots of examples of people lacking composure. Bacetic, uh, sort of took a lovely sort of dummy at first when took the touch, rounded the keeper and then fired it sort of delightfully uh, through Ming's legs as well for his, uh, his first Premier League goal really important as I mentioned sort of trying to sort of Liverpool getting that third goal and actually sort of sort of reasserting themselves in the game sort of killing off Villa's hopes of uh, getting anything more out of it. Um, on any, any third minutes, uh, Salah played a good pass uh, again down to Robo. A low shot at the near post was sort of deflected a, a little bit more awkward for Olsen than perhaps it first appeared. And Villa made some subs on 85, 85 minutes. Uh, Coutinho coming on, the donker coming on, Danny Ings coming on. Sort of the last throw of the dice from Unai Emery. Uh, and Liverpool also, a couple of minutes later, also took off uh, the constant uh, narrative machine, Darwin Nunez, and <laughs> replaced him with Ben Dirk, 17 year old, came on for his Premier League debut. A nice little touch there. Um, that was a sort of a late corner from Robbo on 90 minutes, uh, four minutes of added time. But again, it wasn't too much action to report there um, as it sort of be sort of a uh, round on to, uh, to the final whistle. Um, Jim, I'll just come to you first um, as we sort of wrap things up here a little bit. Lovely to see sort of, Batic sort of get that goal, really important goal in the context of the game, but also his first Premier League goal as well. He's been someone who's really impressed us in the cameos that we've seen. Of his ability, um, what did you make of sort of the way in which sort of the game uh, ended up finishing off?
5: I thought it was um, poetic justice, really, in some ways, that Nunez got. Well, it wasn't technically an assist, but morally it was an assist. The goal, you know, <laughs> that shit, Andy Carroll, you've know, just been singing about, has yeah. just basically killed your game off for yeah. you. The moral um, assist, that, I like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it was. Morally speaking, I, it was. It was. Um, it was just what I, I just loved. It. I just loved the way that he just had that um, you know, 18 minutes, we're in the lead, and he still gave it everything to get that, that ball and to get it back in. And that's the sort of craziness, as you, as you both mentioned earlier on, that, that can that can win games. So even though he wasn't on the score sheet himself, he, he closed that game off for us. And then um, Bajicic, what what a young player. I mean, everyone who talks about him raises on about him, and you sometimes wonder if that's um, a bad thing at that age because everyone's expecting him to be. Um, all of a sudden, the standards of how good he is, the talk, the stories people tell about how good he is all get a bit of an exaggeration, takes on a life of its own. And before you know it, he's basically messy, um, before he's even started shaving properly. But that's, that's not, you know, that's not how I think Liverpool tend to be with young players. And it's good to see Klopp just, just hopefully bringing him in at the right, the right pace, if you like, the right speed, the right frequency, bringing him on at the right time in the game in the right situation. And I mean, the confidence that will give him um to to score that goal that killed that game off in that in that situation and it, the the composure he showed i mean I thought Van Dyke was composed with his attempt at goal well the goal that he scored in the first half But that young lad i mean that was that was so composed that was the, the, the was that could have easily gone wrong that could have easily flown over the bar or just hit a defender in the face or anything um he just he just placed it perfectly, and I think what we saw of him for the rest of the game it really it really augurs well for what we've got there is the um, you like the next generation that's going to come through because that's what that's what Liverpool will have to do for years to come. We're not going to have the money to keep buying the whole squad. You know, we're not going to be able to keep spending 60 million to 160 million on every single position when we need someone to to come in. We're going to have to find younger players, and thanks to Brexit, they're all going to have to be from the British Isles or something. I think from now on, but um, we find them, and if we can find them and we can nurture them and we can make them good, that is that is the key to our future success. So it's. You know, maybe I'm going a little bit over the top for what he did, but this is what we need to see more of. We need to see more of these young players coming through, you know the likes of Trent Alexander Arnold, another example of a player that you know is underrated by everyone but us and makes such a difference to us and I hope this is what we see with him. it was um it felt like as well with those substitutions later on that we kind of decided we weren't going to do the sitting back thing quite as much. And we started looking a little bit more interested. because at times I thought the formation had almost even gone to sort of four-five-one. That you know even Salah was really deep at times, and Nunez was the only one up front at times, and you um, know it did feel like we were really deep. But once we made those later subs, it did see the not the final one, the the, the two uh, with as, as the game was coming to an end that we thought right we can go and um, we can go and do it the other way now. We can go and put them under pressure, and that's what I think we did, and it paid off. And really that was it, game over. Over. nothing after that from Villa worried me anymore my little spell of being worried lasted um, lasted until that 80th minute or so
4: yeah I'll I'll admit I think that was the point uh, after the batch to where I went to to refill refill the drink that I had at that time I think <laughs> <laughs> so it was I was I was I was not prepared to do it uh, before that happened um, yeah,
5: I was thirsty as well. Yeah, I was <laughs> exactly the same thinking. I was going to get a drink no, I'm not moving. Exactly, yeah. Not not the electrolytes, uh, I
4: have to admit. I wasn't replacing it for <laughs> sort of physical exertion. <laughs> um, but there was also there was one little bit, actually, Carl, i bringing you in here to, to, to discuss the end of the game as well. Uh, and you can also give your thoughts on Magic goal and sort of his, maybe sort of how, how integral a player like him could be um, over the next few seasons. Uh, but... Um, Lovely old moment there from, uh, Ben Doak, who made his, his cameo as well. It's his first Premier League start, uh, sort of continuing that, uh, Everton theme that we were discussing, uh, just completely rolled, completely did, uh, Luca uh, uh, for a lovely sort of, um, Suarez-esque sort of role, uh, again, just before sort of the end of the game as well. What were your thoughts, Carl, on, on how, um, how the game ended up there? Again, crucial goal that Banchitich scored just to relieve us Of pressure of a late onslaught from from Villa, especially after they'd made those three subs looking to roll the dice Uh, again, it's a a big three points
0: I don't need a VPN, I've got nothing to hide (laughs) this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV,
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, Bud Stitch in particular, it, I think is, is notable or mm. worth mentioning at least that, you know, he hasn't come on once the game is wrapped up. He was brought on along with Joe Gomez as mm. part of the plan to sort of lock it down and make sure that we are doing things which we needed to do to see out the victory. Um, so in the end, he has made it even more certain and even more settled and um, probably just about a more realistic look on the scoreline and the balance of chances. But he didn't just come on, you know, like, no, not great for him to come on, but he came on once the game was done. Stefan Bajatich came on to make sure the game was done, so he is already taking these little steps forward to being involved and playing a role and having a part in the team in the match. Um, context of this is what we need to do now, you know, this is part of the tactical plan for each phase of the game, as such. So, I, I did say about him actually after the um. Uh, mid-season warm-up friendly against Man City last week, as as we'll keep referring to it as. Um, he was overrun in midfield, right? And he he had a, a fairly poor game in terms of his first touch and his passing and where he was in terms of closing down um, passing lanes and being taken on by people and all that sort of stuff. And I sort of had to say in a written piece and then to a, a few other people as well, and in fact on, on the Scouts of Podcast as well, I think, this is a kid who had made like one start for us before that day and was playing against three players around him who had played at the World Cup. You don't just make that step in your first couple of games. You don't get to that point without having a couple of these lessons handed to you early in your career. It's absolutely fine for him not to be as good as Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne. You know, this is a long, long path that he's on now. Uh, as a teenager with Liverpool and hopefully then to be, let's say, some sort of a squad player next season and then maybe in the years to come, yeah, maybe these tough games that he has and shows him how far he's got to go, helps him to get to that level and shows him what level of effort he needs to improve on in training all the rest of it. And today, you can see that importantly, he wasn't affected by it. He still maintains his own self-belief and confidence even before the goal. There's a couple of fast touches around the corner, a uh, really good switch of play over to Javier Elliott on the other side, I think remember. Uh, a couple of tackles that he made as well or, or closing people off at least. So he's not affected by you know, coming off at half-time or having been bested by Probably the best team in the world. Let's be fair, uh, this season at least. So it's it's very very comforting that one he retains the belief in himself, and two that Klopp and the coaches retain the belief in him. Um, it's not going to change on account of this goal. He's not going to become a starter suddenly. And in exactly the same way, that wasn't going to change after he you know was done up a little bit by Man City's midfield. It's it's all part of his uh, his journey and his learning. And I think he's, he's shown that he's got very very good technical ability. Um, very, very quickly as soon as he comes on. But importantly, he also really. shows that he does know how to play against general standard of Premier League players in terms of positional work and what he needs to do for, for the team tactical perspective and all the rest of it. Uh, also, probably interesting, I think I'm right in saying that this was the first time he hadn't actually played the deepest role in midfield for us. Maybe when he came on, I mean, if it was Napoli, he came on as like a second centre mid, effectively. But usually... He's Played with Firmino hasn't, so this time coming on at the same time was a little bit of a different role, and uh, obviously, why he was able to get
4: forward and score the goal. And you mentioned Fab there, I think it's just worth sort of bringing him up a little bit I, I did see some mm-hmm. commentary around. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's a player who's received quite a lot of criticism, I've seen it certainly online anyway, over the past few months or so. And so, you can have your opinion on sort of the reasons why maybe he's not been at his best, but I mean, what, what was your opinion on his performance tonight? I, I, I saw some some sort of uh, praise for for him uh, and actually for Core Henderson in parts as well. Uh,
2: I think Fabinho was much better today in terms of his uh, defensive work, uh, his protective work, his making challenges, his ability to move in different areas of the pitch. I think we still leave massive, massive gaps on both sides of him and that's a problem for us defensively as a team. I think that's where probably 60-70% of their chances on goal came from today, including the goal which was I know it's Matip, who was obviously on Watkins in the first place, but it was no pressure on the ball at all for, a, for a deep cross from where it was. That was Thiago yeah, not getting out quickly enough, basically. Um, it's, it's been a, a constant theme for Liverpool the, this, this season. So Fabinho was rubbish, let's be perfectly honest, in the first 40% of the season, whatever we've played so far. But he was also left really, really exposed way too often by the system, by the personnel, by his own lack of what appeared to be sharpness or, or quickness about his game anyway. So today was definitely a good step forward, I think. Um, there's more to come from him in terms of his passing and how he affects the play in our build-up, but I don't need that to all happen in one game. Maybe maybe going away with Brazil, different change of scenario, different training, I don't know, whatever it is, but he did look more energetic to me today. He certainly was a bit more aggressive and... Um, accurate, I'll say, in his challenges and when to make them and the timing of them and that um, so I, I think today was a, a positive thing for Familia.
4: And Jim, just as we look to sort of wrap up here as well just, I was looking at the table uh, again, sort of the pool, having played 15 games a couple of teams ahead of us, uh, again still a sort of a game in hand, over a couple of them uh, currently in sixth place in the league table, 25 points just one point behind uh, United, uh, just uh, five uh, points off sort of uh, fourth place, uh, Spurs. Um, what are your thoughts on on the game as a whole? Obviously, it's sort of an important three points. Uh, uh, were, were there any players, just like me and Carves discussed, Fabinho there um, that you think are worth sort of discussing in a bit more detail? Obviously, Nunez, who we discussed uh, at length at times today. The uh, were there any other players who sort of caught your eye you think deserve some uh, some praise? I
5: think, as a whole, I think you look at the, the sort of it's not quite Jekyll and Hyde in the difference between the before and after Liverpool. I mean, we've had some absolute nightmares this season. From, um, I'm trying, to, you know, it's difficult to think of a player who hasn't had at least one nightmare game for this season. And I didn't feel like we had any players that were having nightmares tonight. Which I don't know, it's a bit faint that praise, isn't it? But I think it's it's good. It's a good sign. I think you know, Fabinho was closer to his old self, but he's not his old self. I think. I was worried how Virgil might, might come back after that penalty miss and you know how that, he's not bothered, is he? He's, um, he's come back and he's looking as good as we can expect him to be because he is not as young as he was when we bought him, but he's he not like he's an old man or anything. Um, and just on Virgil think, Jim, actually, we, yeah. you mentioned that I just see some quotes coming in his eyes that hopefully the
4: injured players can come back soon and hopefully we can welcome some new players at our football club. We will mm. see. I think the quality is always welcome at Liverpool. So again, Couple winky eyes there. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of side eye emojis obviously on Twitter, but um, it does appear that a couple of them, especially with some of the Klopp's comments as well, perhaps they know something we don't.
5: But yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, you you can imagine sort of meetings at the club behind the scenes, you know, with the higher-ups and all the rest of it, and and again, you know, we talk about hindsight, we talk about hindsight within the game, but within a sort of transfer window, you know, somebody at the back of the room would have been saying, we need to spend more money this summer, and we need to strengthen in these positions, and someone else was saying, but maybe we don't, and then now they've gone, well, you remember what we said in that meeting in the summer, and maybe um, maybe hindsight's come along now, and um, and the checkbooks being found again, or whatever they use nowadays instead of checkbooks. Um, you know, maybe we're going to put some hands in some pockets and find some cash and get some players in. Um, we do need players to come back from injury. We've got we've got players missing. That's something as well. I mean, have we got an answer to who our third forward is going to be for the time being? Probably not. I'm not sure. Um, are we going to play a different way to get around that? It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, what as well is I think I mean I mean back onto our youngster who made a little, you know, got his name on the score sheet again tonight that these are the times when players like that get those chances. There's no way that Klopp would, I'm sure would have brought him on if everybody was fit and he had a full squad with everybody in there. He wanted as much as he came on tonight and did exactly the job an important sort of senior job, if you like. And he came on and did it as Carl said, you know, in, in other circumstances, he maybe wouldn't even have been on the bench because you know, Klopp wouldn't necessarily have risked him in that situation. But the, the, the fact is he knew in that situation he was worth putting on and, and giving, It could trust him enough based on what he had around him. And he just, um I always think back, I've, I've used this so many times, to so Robbie Fowler being given a chance when Liverpool were having injuries, he got thrown on the pitch and he just didn't think twice. He took his chances with both hands, literally, and never looked back and, you know, maybe he was always destined to be a great player, but maybe in another, you know, in another universe he didn't get those chances and by the time he did he went off the ball because, you know, this the step up from playing in the academy to playing in the first team is unreal. And as, as Carl says, maybe there's another step again to playing against Man City when you're playing against most of the Premier League teams. So it was these these are all, all positive signs. There are some negatives to look at, but I think something we've said about Liverpool for years is that we, we make mistakes and we learn from them. And I think it took us a while this season, at times, to learn from mistakes. But I do feel like the the mistakes tonight were um, relatively few in number. You know, relatively simplified. We can go through those and start looking at those and start fixing those things. It was good to see. I think. I mean, one other thing as well about about young players, um, it's just remember that Nunez is a young player who either come through our academy and was just breaking into the first team this year. We'd all be saying perhaps different things about him. I know the the media definitely would, but that price tag makes a difference and. Raise his expectations, but um, I don't think he's bothered. And I do think he will get better. And I do think he's going to be long term an amazing player for us. And it, it's, it, you know, it, all, it, it looks good. You know, I, I think before we did this podcast, I mean, I was doing other podcasts and I was thinking ahead to how this might work out. I wasn't bothered about the preseason friendly the other day, but today was the important one we had. Before the, the World Cup, we had to go into it with a win. We didn't want a defeat hanging over us all that time. And we had to come back to a win. If we did both of those things, I felt we had the potential to close that gap in the league table. We're not going to win the league, of course. That's that's way out of our reach. But we need to get that gap from six to four closed, and then make that gap smaller and smaller and smaller above us, and, and bigger and bigger beneath us, because we need the Champions League. But if you'd asked me to say three months ago where we're we going to get it, I'd have been thinking maybe not. We can, but we've got to play like this at least as well as this every week, sometimes better, because we will face better teams than Villa, but we won. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. That's a positive. We won. Three points. Lots to learn from. Lots to look forward to.
4: And to the plugs, Jim, I mean, what can the the, uh, the listeners expect to hear from you over the next uh, so, so, so weeks or so?
5: Yeah, Jay and I, and, and hopefully Tony is available as well. We're going to get some more scouts that Tommy's done. We've um, We're hoping to fit one in between Christmas and New Year, but you know how you say these things before Christmas, you make these promises yeah. and then, you know, <laughs> so you know, this is not a promise, but we'll do our best but in the meantime, we have got a couple um, might be worth a listen, we have the one that where we sort of looked ahead to this bit of the season so you can maybe have a listen to that and laugh at all the bits we've probably got wrong and we did our World Cup one where we kind of went through and picked our own choices, the best ever Liverpool player 11 from a World Cup, it's a bit of a they didn't really come up with a good title for it, but every player had to have been playing for Liverpool or beyond Liverpool's box at the time they played in the World Cup, and some positions were well oversubscribed and others were a bit, you know, a bit fit on the ground. But um, yeah, it was good fun doing it. And if you, if you do have a listen, give us a shout on Discord and maybe tell us where you would have changed things slightly. Maybe I just know there's someone we missed. I just know.
4: I like that very much. Yeah, there may be some stuff to come from the, from me between the now at the end of the year, but also here's some I made earlier. I do, I, do, I, do, I do appreciate that. It is that time of year. I'm seeing all, all sorts of channels Here's some I made earlier. Um, Carl, uh, just to get your sort of final thoughts as well, and I some just a, a, another quote to react to. I'm just seeing some Klopp uh, comments on, on the aforementioned Darwin. Darwin Nunez played an incredible game. He will score goals. I have no doubt about that. He gives us so much more than that. He will score. Everything will be fine. This game was exceptional. Uh, I mean, we're used to seeing Klopp uh, staunchly defend any of his players, obviously, uh, and I think it's he's probably not, um, uh, you know, he is aware of the of the comments. I think I think around Nunez. and again, I'm seeing actually just a, a post from Nunez as well. He's clearly active on social. We won on a difficult court, a court, uh, and we're going for mm-hmm. more. Uh, thanks, fans, for the support. To the rest, calm down. So again, he's, uh, he's aware of it as well. I think people are aware of it. Uh, what were your thoughts on on the game? Any players you want to sort of focus on a little bit more, and also sort of remind the listeners what they can expect from you over the next uh, week or so?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I find a word on uh, Darwin Nunes just because I was uh, having a quick look there, and you know, mentioning that it's the media and broadcasters and probably rival fans as well. who was sort of picking at it and saying, you know, he's maybe not scoring enough goals and all the rest of it. I've just had a quick look through um the the entire big six, let's say, from the Premier League, plus Newcastle, who are obviously elbowing their way through into that now. So the top seven, um, the only players who have scored more than Nunez this season is Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. So get in the bin is all I can say <laughs> with that sort of complaint about him not scoring enough goals because, you know, Glass houses and throwing stones and all that kind of stuff. You know, sort sort your own uh, nonsense out about you know Chelsea's revolving cast of 17 different forwards who can only score three between them and that sort of thing. Before you worry about Darwin Nunez, who is um, I'm just going to crown him the uh, master of chaos, to be honest, and that's just what he is. I'm fine with that. Um, Liverpool specific. This is the first time we've got three wins in a row in the Premier League this season, which is a good thing for now and. It's a dismal thing considering it's boxing day obviously and we 15 games into the season um away from home we actually now have a goal difference of zero we're finally back to zero that's 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 lovely isn't it um <sighs> closing the gap to the top four is the only thing which matters at the minute so like I said spurs drawing early on, we still have a game in hand so we could go just two points off the top four which all of a sudden doesn't start to sound all that bad and uh, for, for any of our listeners who were, were not um, watching the earlier games uh, I, one of the games that I did watch was, uh, Leicester against Newcastle. Leicester obviously being the team we are playing next. And they were shocking. That's, that's, I'll leave it there because that segues nicely into what I'll be doing for the rest of the week. I will be doing Scouted on the Leicester match. Uh, so tune into that in a few days. I think I'm on raw for Leicester as well. And, uh, I don't know what written stuff I'll do yet because I've been trying not to think about work for the last two days.
4: Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, be, for myself, there'll be a rival week on uh, the Leicester game as well. Um, getting back to the swing of things, I, I just can't remember whether I'm on the roll for that Leicester game, but I should probably find out quite quickly uh, as well. But such is the way at this time of year, where uh, people become disorientated, uh, just like defenders trying to mark uh, Darwin Nunez as well. To all the listeners, thank you very much for for tuning in. Whenever you're tuning in, whether it's uh, late on Boxing Day, whether it's uh, sort of uh, as you tuck into some sort of leftovers tomorrow morning as well. I uh, do appreciate you sort of cheating in. The Reds are back uh, and produced, obviously, sort of a, a satisfying 3-1 win over Aston Villa to sort of inch themselves a bit closer towards uh, the top four. Uh, and we'll be back again, again, for another uh, post-match Raw after the Leicester game on the 30th. Uh, but between now and then, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to replicate Trev's uh, stay safe and stay well out there, but I uh, hope you have a wonderful time of year and we'll be back again with another episode of uh, post-match Raw